Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali, and I are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So, if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So, if you have your Bible, feel free to read along, and if not, no problem. We'll put it all together for you. So let's get started. Today we'll be, we'll be looking <clears throat> in Colossians chapter 2. We're going to be starting uh, around verse 8 and then going over, finishing out the chapter down to verse 23. Paul in prison, writing to the Colossian church, he heard that they um, uh, were... Uh, doing well as a church, but they must have been getting into some spiritual trouble. There were some false teachings, false philosophies out there that were going around, and he wanted to encourage them in their faith, but also address some of these issues. And we get into some beautiful, some of the some of the finest descriptions we will find in the Bible about. Uh, who we are as Christians, what our relationship with Christ is all about. Um, This theme um, that comes through Colossians is Christ being um, the head of the church, Christ being central to everything about the gospel, being central to everything about the gospel. And as and as, uh, in a nutshell, as Paul is, is telling the, um, the Colossians, if you don't have Christ, you don't have anything. And so no matter what kind of philosophy you want to follow, if it doesn't have Christ central to it, it's, it's uh, a dead end. And so this is uh, um, something for us today. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of different people, a lot of different self help groups, a lot of people writing books and having uh, you know podcasts or different seminars on different things on how to get through life or how to have peace, joy, and happiness and all this other stuff. And a lot of these um, a lot of these uh, teachings or philosophies or um, you know, conferences and seminars, it doesn't include the centrality of Jesus Christ. And that's the similar thing that Paul is addressing today. Um, And that through Paul's letter, we get this wisdom also from God. So we'll jump in verse 8 that we touched on last time. He says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition." according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. So Paul, in this uh, chapter, has been making this uh, contrast between 
the philosophy of man and the word of God. The philosophy of man, as we look back in, in Ecclesiastes, all the different philosophies uh, uh, Solomon looked at. Solomon looked at all of them. And I, every one of them was dead end. No matter how you look at the world or things going on in the world, everything comes up dead end. You can be the richest person, the most successful person, the smartest person, wisest person, the person with the power and the influence, the person who um, has the authorities. Every single one of those scenarios, <clears throat> you end up being just as dead as the fool buried right next to you. You're just as dead. And all the wealth and the power and the prestige, it vanishes. It's like a vapor. It's all vanity. And all your possessions will get sold <clears throat> and ultimately owned by some fool or some person who's not as good as you. So you really don't have the edge no matter what you do. And so as, as Solomon was saying, um, all is vanity under the sun. And uh, as we see here, the, as Paul is echoing, all of the philosophies of man are just delusions. No matter how plausible the arguments, how smooth the, the talk, basically it's just captive philosophy, empty deceits, vain traditions, human traditions and philosophies, although they seem good and all they, they seem they make you feel good, they're just, um, they're just vanity. So he's saying don't be kept captivated or captured by that depend on the word of God the word of Christ not the word of man man made philosophies and traditions all die away the only thing that lasts is the word of God the word of God is Christ the word remember in John chapter 1 in the beginning was the word the word was God the word was with God and then the word became flesh the word of God the personification of the Word of God is Jesus Christ. Again, Paul is talking about the centrality of Jesus Christ to everything in the gospel. So he's warning him, don't be deceived according to all these empty deceits and philosophies. He, then he says in verse 9, Oh, and it says at the end of verse 8, according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. So in other words, if, you, if you're taking, um, if you're being sort of taken up by empty uh, philosophies and empty deceits and empty human traditions that are of the world, you know they're of the world because they're not of Christ. And then he says in verse 9, for in him, he's talking about in Christ, the whole fullness of the of deity dwells bodily. In other words, God dwells in Christ. The, the wholeness of God is in Jesus Christ. Okay? I mean, that one little verse, don't miss it. That one little verse is, the, is an amazing verse because it in no uncertain circumstances says, God is Jesus Christ. God, the whole fullness of God dwells in human form, in Jesus Christ. And then he says, and 
you have been filled in him. Okay? So, God dwells in Jesus Christ, and you, he dwells now in you. You have been filled in him. Who is the head of all rule and authority? God is in him, and he is in you. Isn't that amazing? That just blows that, that probably blew people's minds. You know, those, uh, uh, those Pharisees and Sadducees and all those people who, were, <laughs> who, who passed judgment over Jesus, when they heard Paul talking like this, that the fullness of God dwells in Jesus Christ, and through Jesus Christ, through Jesus Christ, He is in you. His Spirit is in you. And the full fullness of God is in you. That that just probably blew their brains out. That blew their minds. And that's why they hated him so much. Because again, the centrality of the whole Bible now is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ then supersedes the Old Testament. Everything about the Old Testament now is superseded by Jesus Christ. Because now Jesus Christ has nullified the Old Testament. He has fulfilled the Old Testament, superseded the Old Testament, and now claims authority over the Old Testament. You can't look at Jesus Christ and not have a reaction. If you're somebody who is trying to live by the law and you see Jesus Christ, you've just been nullified. If you're somebody who is trying to live by human traditions and uh, you know your own self-piety, by doing good works on your own, by human traditions and human philosophies, you've just been nullified by Jesus Christ. And you've had somebody who says, you know what, I'm just going to do my own thing, you know, I don't need anybody. I'm my own island. You've just been nullified by Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. I am the only source of truth. I am the only way you should walk, and I am the only way to eternal life. All other pathways lead to death and sin. So Jesus Christ claims it all. He, he claims the full deity of God, and He is, and as it says in verse 10, and you have been filled in Him, who is the head of all rule and authority. Jesus Christ claims all rule and authority on heaven and earth. Okay? And He lives in you and me. In Him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh. This circumcision is this metaphor of taking away the unclean flesh. Okay, so this circumcision is your body, my body. In other words, Jesus now has taken away the fleshly body that we have. And it's a circumcision. It's a spiritual circumcision of Christ. And that spiritual circumcision takes place with Jesus on the cross, having been buried with him in baptism. In other words, you died with Christ 
in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God. So in other words, you when, when Christ died spiritually, when you put your faith in him, when you were through faith in what he did for you on the cross, you died. You joined in his death. Christ allows you to join in his death and also join in being raised with him through your faith, through God's power, okay? Jesus had faith in God's power, and he allows you to join him in that faith, in God's power, and you can be raised from the dead as well. So he's talking about being raised from the dead in our physical lives, in the putting off on the flesh, you know, it's talking about this spiritual circumcision here in Christ. So you now, your body, your physical body is not a physical body that is a fleshly body. You have been raised with him. So you've put off your old body. You've been buried with him in baptism, raised with him in faith. So you were dead, the body that was dead in trespasses, verse 13. And you were dead in your trespasses in the uncircumcision of your flesh. God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses. Okay, so you were dead in your body in trespasses. The uncircumcision of your flesh. But then God removes that dead flesh from you. He doesn't see you as dead in a physical body anymore. He sees you as alive. Having forgiven us of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. What was nailed to the cross? Well, they nailed him to the cross. They nailed Jesus to the cross. But what was God nailing to the cross? God was nailing to him the Old Testament. God was nailing to him uh, on the cross the Ten Commandments. God was nailing on the cross all the authority, all the rulers. That was being nailed to the cross. God was nailing to the cross all the sins of of mankind, all the sins of the world, all the sins of the flesh, the old bodies, the old creations were nailed to that cross. That cross bore the body of Jesus Christ. The body of Jesus Christ was a sacrificial lamb. It was the altar of God. The Romans were sitting there mocking it. And mockingly calling him the Son of God. But God was not mocked because God was allowing all of that that he created to bring, to bring glory to the Lamb of God. God used those people. God would not allow his Son to be mocked. God would not allow his self to be mocked. God made those people and chose those people to mock according to His will, to bring glory to what His Son did. To bring glory to what Jesus Christ did. 
He needed people to follow through with the execution because it was according to his purpose and plan for us to be saved, for those who believe in faith to be saved and triumphing over those self-proclaimed authorities, self-proclaimed rulers, people who put their faith in the philosophy of man. Verse 16, Therefore let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regards to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. Okay? You're not under any ruler or authority. You're not under anybody's judgment because your old nature has has died and now Christ is living in you. You're living in Christ. You're with Christ. You're alive in Christ. So you don't have to be judged by anybody. God canceled all the rulers, all the authorities, because now Jesus Christ claims that rule. These are shadows of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Everything belongs to Christ. And even though Christ hasn't returned to reestablish His kingdom yet, this is just a shadow because Christ has claimed it. Verse 18, Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reasons by His sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head. That's Christ. Asceticism is, uh, was a teaching, and this is probably one of the teachings that Paul is trying to counteract. Asceticism sounds pretty good. Uh, it describes it's a lifestyle characterized by voluntary abstinence from various sorts of worldly pleasures like sexual activity, the consumption of alcohol, the accumulation of property and wealth. Okay, So it's kind of like this stoic person uh, it's, you're an abstinent person, often with the aim of pursuing religious or spiritual goals. Okay? So, asceticism would have been somebody who would have come up and said, Yep, teachings of Jesus are, are okay, but we want to take it to a higher level or our spin. You know, unfortunately, we really don't know how to live. You know, Jesus is dead, and we're trying to, you know, we're trying to be Christians and believe, you know, in, in Christ and everything, but we really don't know how to do it. So, you know, here's a teaching where we, we just need to sort of close ourselves off from the world. And and just um, you know abstain from what we think are sins, and the more we do that, the better we're going to be, the better we're going to feel, the better we're going to you know do. And it's a very tempting philosophy, you know. And it's superficial examination. It doesn't sound too bad, you know. And it sounds very plausible as to what somebody would would teach. I mean, you've just got to have a heart to teach other people. And now, you know, all of a sudden, you know, this kind of thing comes up and it provides a lot of structure for people. And that structure for people allows them to feel like they have that sense of uh, fulfillment. And it gives them that good positive feedback that they feel they need. And of course, Paul's saying, you don't need that. You don't need to go around sort of um, 
voluntarily abstaining from stuff with the pretense that that's going to help you out, you know, by avoiding a certain food or a certain drink or a certain, you know, ritual, okay? You know, they think, you know, it looks like it has substance to it. It looks like it has value to it. It looks like it has some rudimentary um, strengthening um, uh, type of thing. He says, but the substance is Christ, Okay, so it says, he says, no one, let no one disqualify you insisting on asceticism. Okay, that's that philosophy and the worship of angels, you know. Anything spiritual, oh, we're going to try to do that because it takes Christ out of the sinner. Okay, about some people saying, well, I think I saw an angel or I had a vision, you know, and those people you know, might say, you know, oh, I think I saw Christ, or I looked up and I saw a cloud, but it looked like Christ's head, and so, or I think I saw an angel. You know, people puff, you know, people feel like they see stuff, and then they start going around telling other people, and it just puffs them up. Oh, he must be a really spiritual person. He must be really holy, or he's been following this asceticism, and, and you know, I'm, you know, people just start following this fella or these these people, you know. Makes them feel like, wow, look at me. He says, Paul says, forget all this. You got to hold fast to the head, whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. God's the body, God's the head of the church. And now in verse 20, he says, if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits, of the world. Why? As if you were still alive in the world, do you submit to regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to the things that all perish. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism, okay, that's that asceticism philosophy, and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. He says, Paul says, if you died with Christ and you've been raised with Christ and you have new spirituality, new spiritual uh, um, identification, you're joined with the body of Christ. You are knitted together with other believers through the power of Christ's righteousness living in you. And I love this little phrase here in verse 20. You died to the elemental spirits of the world. Why? As if you were still alive in the world. Now, that, that I have to think about that, you know? Now, I, we all still feel like we're still alive right now. But, but Paul is making this thing saying, look, you died to the world. And you have to, you have to go back and, and look at that back in, in verse 11 and 12. You know, he's talking about dying with Christ, being buried with Him, being raised with Him through the faith, who raised Christ from the dead. You were dead in trespasses. And then God made you alive with Christ. Okay? So you're alive, but you're alive in Christ. You're not alive in the world. 
You're alive in Christ. So you traded being alive in the world for being alive in Christ. What a beautiful, beautiful teaching. You, you allowed yourself to die to this world. You're now alive, but you're alive, not in this world. You're alive in this world in Christ. So I hope this is helpful to you and encouraging. It certainly is to me. So now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to my partner and co-host, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. And for me to all of you, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. And I'll see you next time. Hello. So today's teaching is coming from the book of Colossians, chapter 2, verses 8 through to verse 23. So in verse 8, we see Paul warning the Christians of um, different dangers of um, the things that they're not supposed to follow. So verse 8 reads, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world and not according to Christ. So Paul is warning um, the Colossians of um, being aware of people who use enticing words. So it's easy to to be deceived by man who is an orator, you know, who's good with words and is not a man of God, someone who uses all these pretty fancy big words, um, someone who has only studied part of the Bible, who concentrates on one thing only and not um, studied the full word of God, um, the whole Bible. So, you know, um, you find people get easily deceived by these, by, you know, they get mesmerized by these teachers who end up misinterpreting the gospel and the word of God. So, you know, um, you know, tradition of men was taught instead of the word of God back then um, in, in the days. And this is what Paul is warning against. So, you know, today we ought to study the total word of God and not just part of it. So you find certain people tend to just actually dwell on the, you know, catechism, on prophecy, on just, um, you know, different parts that they actually just feel they have more knowledge of and they tend to ignore the total word of God. Um, because you find scripture is actually um, inclined to um, actually be connected. And you, if you just dwell on one part of it, you tend to actually misinterpret it. So Paul, this is what Paul is actually warning against. So in verse 9, it goes on to read, For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, um, you know, this looks at, you know, it's a clear-cut deity of Christ you know, the full pleroma of, of God. So in him, that's in Christ, dwells the fullness of all the Godhead bodily. This talks about um, the fullness of God. Verse 10 goes on to read, um, And you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. So, um, you know, as Pastor J.D. McGee said, you know, you are are you ready for the full voyage of life, you know, in him? So Christ is the answer to everything. You know, yeah, as everyone always puts it, Christ is the answer. So what's the question? So um, let us turn to Christ. So, um, so, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principalities. So Christ is the head of all principalities, the head of um, the church, um, the body of believers. So 
you know, let's take the full voyage of life. That's the life with Christ. So let's turn to Christ in everything that we do. When we wake up, whatever little crisis we face, who's the first person we look up to? Is it, do we look up to Christ? Because Christ is, um, is the answer to all our problems, um, all our questions in the world today. Verse 11 goes on to read, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. So, you know, this particular verse, you know, to get rid of that which of which is of the world so uh, we are buried with him in the baptism the baptism of water and we are risen with him in his glorious resurrection so we were raised with him um and we were joined to him um who is a living savior so um you know don't be spoiled by you know vain philosophy you know we ought to know that christ is our savior today so um you know, the circumcision of Christ was not that of, um, you know, of, uh, as verse 11 reads, in him you were also circumcised. So we were also circumcised with him, you know, stripping away of the worldly things um, that, and um, with a circumcision made without hands. This was a circumcision that was not made with, um, with, uh, with the worldly things, with, with the hands. So um, it's not a ceremony performed on the outside, the circumcision. So it's a question of whether um, we have been born again in him. Are we joined to him? And um, how are we joined to him? Um, how are we joined to our Lord Jesus Christ? Um, it, it, it's not, you know, it's not the vain tradition that we have to follow, the little um, hoops and seminars and everything that we actually have to go through. Like, um, are we joined to our Savior um, by... Um, are we buried with him by the baptism of 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 of, be, um, of water? Are we baptized in Christ Jesus? So, um, scripture goes on to read in verse twelve. Buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So here, um, you know, a Christian, you know, as a Christian life, um, a Christian life is putting off the body of sin by the identification with Christ so you are buried with him by baptism you are risen with him and you are joined to the living Christ through the operation of God who raised him from the dead so um you know in him we were also circumcised and you know when he as a child of God when he was raised from 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 death we were raised with him as long as we are baptized, we are buried with him in the baptism. As long as we are um, God's children, you know, we are buried in him in baptism. And this is a public um, profession, uh, confession that we are uh, faithful believers and followers of Christ when we are buried by, when we are baptized by the baptism of, um, of, uh, of water. So verse 13 goes on to read... Um, and you being dead in your trespasses and the circumcision of your flesh, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all trespasses. So, um, 
you know, this particular scripture, it looks at the improvement of, um, it's not an improvement of the old nature, but, you know, an impartation of a new nature. So, um, you know, we were dead in sin and, um, and Christ forgave us there on the cross when he was nailed on the cross. Um, he shed his blood for us and, um, you know, as scripture has read, and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he has made alive, he has made alive together with him, having forgiven all your trespasses. So, you know, he bore all our sins um, when he was on the cross and, um, and he forgave us as we were dead in, in, in sins. And um, he forgave us all our trespasses. Verse 14 goes on to read, um, Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements or ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and he has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. So, you know, when Jesus Christ was actually nailed on the cross, so th this is the begin this is the section of legality. Um so we come to the word of God and, you know, when Christ was nailed to the cross, it was written, uh, this is Jesus, uh, of Nazareth, the King of the Jews. So this was what was actually put on the placard above him. So, um, to God on the cross, that was, um, he wiped that out. Um, to God, that was an altar, um, of sacrifice and, um, you know, God on the cross wrote the ordinances, wrote the Ten Commandments, wrote the law. And this law is what we actually failed to follow, um, that we actually broke. And he wiped that out. Um, and, um, you know, the law was given to discipline the old nature. And, um, and now Christ was stating that um, we have been given a new nature and we are joined to Christ at that particular moment when that altar was actually presented to God when uh, the Lamb of God was put on the cross. So he wiped away, you know, um, the writing, the ordinances, and um, in order to, 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 forg to forgive all our trespasses. Verse 15 goes on to read, verse 15 to 16 go on to read, um, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding a festival or a new moon or sabbaths so here um you know you can't judge one another um in respect to you know to these things you know believers a believer is not to follow you know ordinances you know the ordinances that were actually given in the old testament because by then it was just the law but now we have been given christ who, who suffered and who died for us we have been given um a new nature to, to actually follow and um, um, and um, believers are not to follow the different ordinances as you know they were shadows of things to come you know everything in the Old Testament were shadows of things to come and this was the mystery of Christ that was actually revealed so we have been given a reality in Christ so let's not judge others based on the food they eat based on the food that they eat because in the Old Testament um, you know there were laws and uh, traditions that were to be followed, you know, you were not to, to, to work on the Sabbath, you were not to eat pork, and you know, wanted to do A, B, C, D. So let us not judge because um, now um, Christ has been made a reality to us. And um, this is what scripture says. So let, not, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding to festivals or a new moon or Sabbaths. 
Scripture goes on to read in verse 17, which are shadows of things to come, but the substance is of Christ. So the, the main focus is Christ and not what you actually do on a particular day or the food that you eat. So um, our main substance, our main focus is Christ today because, um, you know, we were given a new nature, which uh, we are joined to Christ as long as we're buried with him in the baptism. And we are believers, faithful believers. Um, we only then are we joined to Christ. Verse 18 and 19 goes on to read, Let not let no one cheat you of your reward, taking delight in false humility. Uh, sorry, taking delight in false humility and worship of angels, intruding into those things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his flesh, by his fleshly mind. So, um, verse 19 also goes on to read, And not holding fast to the head from whom all the body nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments grows with the increase that is from God. So here, um, this is a section that looks at mysticism. Uh, you know, Paul is condemning, um, you know, Gnostics um, and um you know, Gnostics who are, who are, who are made, um, you know, th these are, uh, 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 people who assume, you know, people, many people assume a pious spiritual position, acting like, you know, um, they've got something that you don't, you know, acting like they know it all, um, and he is condemning this, um, you know, the pretense of wisdom, um, and, and this is what Paul is actually condemning here. Um, let no one cheat you. He's, he's telling the Colossians, let no one cheat you. You know, the pious, the people who think, um, you know, they're, they're better than you because they know more spiritually. They have, no, they have more knowledge. Um, let not those people actually cheat you. Um, acting like, you know, they know more than you, than, 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 than everyone else around. Um, simply because they've read the Bible cover to cover. So verse 20 to 23 uh, is a section that looks at um, asceticism. So uh, these are people who follow a passing fad, you know, in churches. Like, say, for example, using lipstick in church and, you know, pretending I don't do this and I don't do that. So scripture reads, um, therefore, if you died with Christ from the basic principles of the world, why, as though living in the world, do you subject yourselves to regulations? So yeah, if you died with Christ, why should you subject yourselves to the regulations of the world? Christ is not of the world. So um, do not touch, do not taste, do not handle, um, which all concerns things which perish with the using according to the commandments and doctrines of men. These things indeed have a have an appearance of wisdom in self-imposed religion, false humility and neglect of the body, but are of no value against the indulgence of the flesh. So, you know, all these things are of the flesh. Do not touch, do not eat, do not dress like this, do not do, not do A, B, C, D. Uh, but all these things are of the flesh and, you know, they will perish. Um, you know, all these things are imposed on, you know, religion, false humility and, um, neglect of the body, um, and they have no value um, against the indulgence of the flesh. So, um, And 
they are made to look um you know um they need to look to have that appearance of wisdom when they actually don't have that appearance of wisdom you know um let us uh let us rejoice god wants us to rejoice in him so what if i have a little makeup when going to church so what if i have um pierced my ears when going to church you know God just wants us to go to him and rejoice. Let us not follow things, uh, let us not make, you know, tradition or things of worldly value, you know, hinder our progress in knowing Christ more. Let us follow and rejoice Christ Jesus. You know, let us not just be satisfied with looking at a picture of God. Let us live for God and let us be joined to, to God, through Christ Jesus. Because, you know, all those things Christ wiped out, wiped out the ordinances, you know, when um, God wiped out the ordinances, when Christ was on the cross, he wiped out all those things that we actually broke. We broke, you know, this is the law which we actually felt to uphold and to follow. And this is what Christ wiped out on that cross because uh, a new covenant, a new mystery was actually revealed. So let us not just be satisfied with looking at a picture of God. Let us live for God. So yeah, this is today's teaching. Thank you all for listening in. God bless and have a pleasant day. Bye-bye.